This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Cam with you once again. Uh, flying solo this week here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Miss E is actually at the doctor's as I uh, sit down to record this. So just to get you caught up on uh, what's going on here around the farm, I was hoping, actually I was planning that this would be a solo week uh, because I was hoping that this would be uh, Miss E's last week of chemotherapy and she probably would be feeling awful. Uh, instead, she's feeling pretty good because she hasn't had her last round of chemotherapy. Unfortunately, she went in uh, last week, had some blood work done. They got to make sure that, you know, all of the vital signs are good. And uh, her kidney function wasn't where it needed to be. So uh, this week she had to go back in and uh, her kidney function still wasn't up to uh, where it needed to be for that last round of chemo. So uh, she's uh, getting more fluids, and then next week they're going to uh, uh, do another blood test, and uh, they may have to swap out one of the uh, chemo drugs for a, uh, a drug that is less toxic uh, to the kidneys. It's it's still not great for your kidneys, but uh, it is less bad for your kidneys uh, because they're concerned that there would be permanent kidney damage otherwise, and uh, Missy is too young for permanent kidney damage, so... Uh, Keep her in your thoughts and your prayers, if you would, please. It's been a frustrating week. I think she was really looking forward to just, you know, getting this done and over with and uh, a little bit of a delay. But um, hopefully that is the the worst of it. And uh, next week uh, she will be wrapping up her chemotherapy. I'm keeping my fingers crossed and uh, I'm saying my prayers as well. Uh, In the meantime, it's been sort of a uh, quiet week. We had about four inches of snow that fell over the weekend. Uh, Got really, really cold. You know, like I think the lowest I saw was four degrees. And I know that there are folks in North Dakota and Wisconsin right now who are laughing, who would, uh, they'd take that. They'd be out in their shorts if it were a four above zero I saw a friend of mine from North Dakota, 40 degrees below was the wind chill uh, earlier in the week. So I'm not going to complain too bad, but it was pretty awful for here in Virginia. Not a lot of snow, like I said, about four inches where we were. uh, But because the weather was so cold, nothing could melt. And so the the kids were actually out of school for three days, uh, believe it or not, and then a a two-hour delay and finally back to normal on a Friday. So they had a good time. Uh, Again, a little too cold to to get out and play in the snow for very long, but the got to tell you, the dogs loved it. Uh, This was Booker's first snowfall, and he just would tear around the yard uh, and uh, play in the snow. Bullet loves the snow. He'll just go out there and, and lay flat in the snow, uh, just roll around. He's got that big, thick coat, so he loves it. Uh, the uh, the critters, the farm critters, on the other hand, uh, not too happy about the snow. But I made sure 
uh, Saturday afternoon when the snow, as soon as the snow stopped falling, I uh, went outside with a bale of straw uh, and uh, just gave the uh, the pigs, put about a half a bale of straw in their little uh, uh, hog hut, and they uh, spread it all around and made it nice and floofy, and they just burrowed under. Uh, I think they came outside to eat and to drink for like the next two days. Other than that, they were just buried under the straw, but everybody's warm, everybody's good. Uh, no more prolapses anywhere, no more health problems for any of the pigs. Uh, goats, same thing. They were just hanging out in their goat house for the most part. Uh, uh, not too impacted by the weather. They've all got their big, thick winter coats, but uh, you know, nothing to nibble on when you can't get to the grass. The uh, chickens as well were, uh, they weren't confined to their coop. I, I, I not only did I uh, go out and open up the chickens' uh, coop every morning, but I actually shoveled a path for the chickens so they could get to their water dish and they could get uh, to their uh, flock block of feed, which is like this just compressed mass of molasses and seed, and uh, and it's it's just fantastic for the chickens. They love it. So I made sure that they had a path that they could get to. Uh, I did come out on uh, a Sunday afternoon, and I'm doing some work outside, and it's still cold, and then snow's still everywhere, and I'm getting ready to shut up the chickens because it's it's getting towards dark, and I'm I'm looking, and nobody's outside, so I do my head count, and I'm one short. I'm a rooster short, uh, and I'm looking around. We've already lost one hen over the past week. Um, I have no idea what happened. Didn't see any uh, feather trails. I don't know if this was a hawk, if this was a coyote, because I've heard some coyotes uh, howling at night over the past few days. Still not sure what happened to the hen. Uh, I did find the rooster that was missing. However, I was uh, so I go and I check the coop, can't find him. I'm walking back to the house actually to tell Missy, "Hey, Fabio is gone." And out of the corner of my eye, I see this splash of gold. Uh, on a fence post, and it's kind of tucked behind this uh, old cabin that is on our property. So I wander around the back, and sure enough, there is Fabio uh, standing on this post, doesn't want to go anywhere. Apparently, uh, he was the uh, rooster that was brave enough to actually you know, get out into the snow and then quickly realized, man, this is cold on my feet. I don't want to go anywhere. So... Uh, uh, oddly enough, this you know, roosters. I, I I I've had issues with roosters before, and I've had to gather them up and take them back into the coop. If it's dark, if it's night, it's not really a problem. They'll stay there and they won't do anything. But uh, man, if there's some sunlight, you grab them by the leg and they start flapping and they start, uh, you know, kicking. And the roosters uh, can have some pretty big spurs. Thankfully, Fabio does not. He's still a little bit of a juvenile, so. Uh, he was actually very calm. I think he 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 knew that I wasn't going to hurt him. I was just going to take him back to the coop. So I picked him up by his leg, carried him upside down, uh, back to the coop, put him in. He's fine. Now it's been really warm. It's been like 60s the last couple of days. So the snow is all melted, and uh, it's it's almost like a false spring on the farm. But the uh, the critters, they are loving it. So good for them. I'll take the 60-degree weather over 4 degrees any day as well. All right, we're going to step away for just a moment or two, but we do have more from the uh, 40 Acres, and we've got more from you as well. The email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. We've got some of your thoughts to get to later on in the program, so stick around. We'll be right back with more right after this. 
You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So we continue to see uh, folks who are very disappointed about the election results uh, lash out at Middle America uh, over the past few days. It was Melinda Byerly, who's a uh, tech CEO out in San Francisco, had her Facebook screed that uh, got shared hundreds of times. You want to know what it's going to take to get people like me to move to middle America? Well, stop. Stop being such an asshole <laughs> was the advice. Go and elect progressive city council members and county commissioners and get your fiber optic Internet, which, by the way, I'm not opposed to at all. More fiber, the better, I say. Um it's the one thing that she said that I actually agree with. Uh, and it did, you know, just don't be your xenophobic, racist, sexist self. The reason why we don't move to these towns is because there's nothing to do in these towns. We don't want to live in these towns. Although, Melinda Byerly said, we would perhaps deign to live in a rural area if, again, it looked more like San Francisco. Well, why would we want to do that? I would think if you would, you know, want to live in a rural area that resembled San Francisco, there's probably got to be some coastal towns out there in Silicon Valley, right? Uh, the contempt just dripping off of every word as to, uh, I think Melinda Byerly also said something about how, uh, you know, there, there's a reason why these uh, young tech folks in uh, the Silicon Valley will, you know, eke out a miserable existence there as opposed to, you know, living in rural America. Uh, to which I say, yeah, probably because they don't allow telecommuting, Right. I mean, if you look, I, I now listen, I, I admit I live in my own little bubble when it comes to Silicon Valley. I live 3000 miles away from Silicon Valley. Uh, I have been to Silicon Valley. I was uh, invited to speak to the conservative forum of Silicon Valley uh, back in September of last year. It was my first time out in Silicon Valley, and it was not a long trip. Uh, unfortunately, I would have liked to have spent a couple more uh, days out there. But while I was there, I, I did try to soak in as much of the local flavor as possible. I uh, had a, a couple of fantastic hosts uh, who had been in Silicon Valley since before it was Silicon Valley, back when it was a bunch of fruit orchards and uh, a farmland. Uh, yeah, full of, you know, rural, xenophobic, sexist bumpkins. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, I don't think Melinda Byerly knows the history of Silicon Valley. Anyway, it's a different place. It, it just is. It's a different place than where I live. It's a different place than anywhere I've lived. Um, where I was in the Valley was uh, sort of Google's territory. And I didn't realize this, but apparently the tech companies sort of uh, have been buying up property all around the Valley, and they have their own little fiefdoms. So I was in uh, Google Kingdom, apparently, uh, when I was out there, and the streets were full of the self-driving Google cars, 
which I have no interest in. Uh, and, you know, looking at the real estate prices, um, it's, it is, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. This is why you see stories about people who are uh, living in the back of moving trucks or they are, you know, renting a closet and putting a bed in there and sleeping there at night. And they're still paying, uh, you know, over $1,000 a month for that, uh, that privilege of sleeping in a closet. That's insane. That's absolutely insane to me. And there really isn't, to my mind, uh, any reason why you have to have all of these individuals, you know, uh, uh, gathering there in Silicon Valley. We do live in a day and age where telecommuting is not just a possibility. It is reality for a lot of Americans. And that was the part, you know, like I said, that was the one line in Melinda Byerly's uh, rant about, oh, I'm not going to move there unless you get fiber. Uh, now, look, I didn't wait for fiber to move to a rural area. We have satellite Internet. And it's slow. The satellite Internet is slow. Um, I would love to have my cable Internet back again. But you know what? I'm not going to let the the speed of my Internet connection dictate uh, where I live, although I will lobby again for uh, faster Internet now that I'm here. But I, I've been thinking about this. You know, we uh, we hear a lot of talk about uh, Donald Trump wanting to drain the swamp. Same, you know, the same uh, uh, reality in, in Silicon Valley is what we see uh, in the D.C. area where you have, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of government employees who don't necessarily need to work or office in the D.C. area. Uh, these jobs don't have to be in D.C. It's just that that's where the prestige is, right? That's the seat of power. And so, yes, it's much better to work for a government agency uh, there in D.C. than work in some sort of satellite office out in middle America. I would like to see that change. I really would. I think it would be a I think it'd be a cost saving device, quite frankly. I mean, the last time that I was up in Washington, D.C., uh, in the D.C. area, I actually wasn't in D.C. itself. I was in Northern Virginia. Try to stay out of D.C. as much as possible. Uh, but the last time that I was up in Northern Virginia, I'm in Alexandria. I'm looking at these million-dollar condominiums that are being built, uh, and not just one or two, but that's sort of the standard price now for a condominium in in Northern Virginia, in Alexandria, Arlington, uh, and these blocks of condos are going up just block after block after block and they all sort of look the same you drive out a little bit further west you get into the uh, the neighborhoods in fairfax county the single family homes they're going for eight hundred nine hundred thousand dollars is ridiculous uh and if you can you know uh, deal with the incredibly high cost of real estate then you have to deal with the traffic I left the D.C. area about 2.30 on a Friday afternoon thinking, all right, I'm getting out ahead of rush hour. Uh, no, no, I was not. I had to go 30 miles on Interstate 95 uh, to Fredericksburg, Virginia. This is at least four lanes in either direction uh, at, at this point. So you're talking about an eight-lane highway. I think it's a 10-lane uh, highway. And then there are the HOV, the high occupancy vehicle lanes, uh, or the express lanes. You can pay a toll. You can get on those. Uh, that's another two lanes. It took me an hour and a half to go 30 miles on an interstate mid-afternoon on a Friday. I was so annoyed by the time I got off the interstate. And I'm driving uh, through uh, Spotsylvania County, and 
I get to the point where the suburbs sort of stop and you get into the more uh, rural locations. It's right around the Chancellorsville battlefield. And I notice this new uh, neighborhood of homes being built. And uh, right next to, probably on the Chancellorsville battlefield, but uh, not on the protected uh, ground, but uh, right next to, just, you know, abutting the National Park uh, Service uh, battlefield area, there's this new neighborhood going up, homes from (laughs) $400,000. And I, again, I just shook my head. I mean, you know, so... $400,000, almost half a million dollars for a a home, and you're going to have, most of the time, uh, about an hour and a half to a two-hour commute each way if you're working in D.C. Now, I suppose, you know, if you're working in uh, uh, Manassas or if you're working in in Dumfries or you're working at uh, Quantico, uh, maybe that's a, a, a great deal for you. But it just struck me as, uh, a, again, just an outrageous amount of money to be paying because of the D.C. bubble. I don't know why we can't pop the D.C. bubble and why we can't move some of these jobs, if not to small towns around the country, at least to uh, you know decent-sized communities outside of D.C. There is a lot to offer uh, in this country outside of D.C. and New York and L.A. and Silicon Valley. It would be nice if, um, if we actually had a chance to show that, I guess. All right, we're going to step away for a moment or two. When we return, though, we've got uh, some more news of the week, including a, uh, another attack on uh, middle America. So stick around. There's more 40 Acres and a Fool coming up next. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So one of the other uh, stories that has been making the rounds this week uh, is a uh, writer, uh, I think for the New Republic, uh, Ned Reznikoff. And uh, now Ned wrote this back in November, but it just started uh, being shared this week for uh, whatever reason. Uh, Ned had a plumbing problem. After the election. And so Ned called a plumber and the plumber came out and uh, he was fine. He, he fixed the problem, it sounds like. But uh, but Ned was very concerned about this plumber uh, because this plumber was a middle aged white guy uh, with a southern accent, according to Ned. And Ned couldn't help but think while this plumber was doing his job uh, in fixing Ned's plumbing Ned couldn't help but think, who did this guy vote for? Am I, am I, have I invited a, a, a Trump voter into my house? What if, what if this guy's got a Southern accent? What if he doesn't like 
What if he doesn't like Jewish people? What if he's anti-Semitic? Oh, I, I, oh, and he worked himself up into a lather uh, because the plumber who showed up at his house was a middle-aged white guy with a southern accent. That was it. There was no comment. There was not, you know, it's not like the plumber under his breath was like, hey, how you doing, sir? I can't believe I'm at a Jew's house. No, there was nothing like that. He didn't do anything to make Ned feel uh, uh, like he should be concerned. He just was who he was, and that was enough to get Ned freaked out. And the fascinating thing is that when uh, this piece appeared, it's not like uh, Ned was saying, you know, uh, uh, thinking back here, boy, I was a jackass. That, uh, that, that really wasn't cool of me at all. Here I am telling people to be open-minded and to celebrate diversity. And man, I, I failed that test. No, 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 no. That, that would have been uh, very wise of Ned to have recognized that. But there, there was none of that self-awareness on the part of Ned. Uh, instead, it was, uh, again, sort of blaming the plumber, I guess. And blame, you know, it's, it's sort of his own fault because if Trump wasn't president, then I wouldn't have all these awful thoughts about middle America and these middle-aged white guys who, you know, work for a living. Uh, I, 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 if, if Hillary had been elected president, I just would have had pity for those people. Now I fear them. So it's got to be the plumber's fault. It is not the plumber's fault. <laughs> uh, I don't know, again, what it's going to take to get these folks uh off the ledge and and to uh you know reintroduce them to reality but they have lost their minds lately and it's really not only is it sad to see it's really disturbing to see uh for the past it's been a while since i've talked about a book that i've been reading but uh, for the past 3 weeks or so i have been slowly uh, making my way through a two-volume biography of Abraham Lincoln came out probably like I guess about six years ago. Um, Lincoln: A Life is the uh, the name of the uh, two-volume biography. The author is hang on one second, and I will tell you. Uh, Michael Burlingame is the author. It's interesting. Um, two volumes, you know. That's a lot of pages and a lot of words, and so there's a lot of detail about uh, the life of Abraham Lincoln, which is fine. Uh, It's just taken me a lot longer to get through these books than I anticipated and expected. But one of the things that I like about uh, Burlingame's book is that he cites and he quotes a lot of newspaper accounts um, from the time. And so... Uh, Not only do you, in the chapter about the Lincoln-Douglas debates, for example, in 1858, not only do you hear uh, or read what Lincoln said, what uh, 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 Stephen Douglas said, uh, but you also read about how the different papers in Illinois were covering these debates. And, you know, the press today likes to pretend that uh, they are nonpartisan, that, uh, let's say, if Donald Trump refuses to call on CNN because... uh, uh, he doesn't like the reporting that that is, as I saw on Twitter this week, the beginning of the end of the First Amendment. And no, it is not. You know, for most of this country's history, uh, our press was very partisan um, and, and, and transparently so. 
there there really wasn't uh, any stigma attached to being a a partisan press that was expected. Um, many uh, uh, administrations actually would uh, have a sort of house newspaper uh, that was the the administration's pet newspaper, and they would get the government printing contracts, and they in turn uh, would be the sort of go to place when the administration wanted to uh, uh, put information or its own spin out there. Uh, so no, we've we've had a partisan press. Well, we we've always I think had a partisan press. Uh, what we have had over the past few decades, though, is a press that denies its partisanship, uh, and in, in the and therefore because they deny their partisanship, uh, it makes it very hard to actually have a I think a level playing ground uh, because you have the quote unquote conservative media, and then you have everybody else, right? Uh, it should be that we have the media, some of which are uh, you know conservative leaning, some of which uh, uh, toe the GOP line, some of which toe the uh, Democrat Party line, uh, and then maybe there would be a an actual honest to God space for uh, those uh, a few outlets who would genuinely uh, try to simply uh, inform uh, uh, viewers or readers about what's going on without necessarily. Uh, putting a uh, a particular spin on it right now. I don't think we we've got that that space, uh, and frankly, it's not a priority for journalists either to uh, uh, to have that sort of space. No, we get the we we get the partisan press in a very big way, and this, of course, is why we need Camp Cam and Company, right? Where we can uh, uh, take these journalists and these reporters from New York City and Washington D.C. and L.A. and San Francisco and. Uh, bring them out to the farm for a week. Let them pet a pig, do some goat yoga, get, get some uh, uh, training with firearms, maybe uh, do a little weeding for me, right? I, th- oh, I think Cam Cam and Company would be fantastic. Uh, anyway, we've got to take a, a quick time out. When we return here on 40 Acres and a Fool, we're going to get to your thoughts. The email address, as always, 40acrefool at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us. On Instagram, Miss E is at Corny Goat Farm. I am at Cam Edwards. I'm also at Cam Edwards on Twitter. And uh, we'll be back with more right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Stupid internet stuff. Huh. Click here for free. Oh, I got a virus. Smart internet stuff. What the fuck are you talking about there, Doc? Okay, this has got me all hopped up. I tweeted this out this morning, and maybe people have already seen it. Supposedly, supposedly, there is a taco shell made from chicken. Oh, I heard about this, like a fried chicken taco shell? Yeah, yeah. Tell me that's not fake news. That sounds pretty amazing news, actually. Amazing, but too amazing to be true. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. So we have heard from some old friends this week here on 40 Acres and a Fool. Robin out in the uh, Shenandoah Valley area. I haven't heard from Robin in a while. Uh, she says, I regret not getting back sooner. I really didn't follow the place of the planet, face of the planet. Uh, new job, Christmas, flu, pony, dead chicken. Oh, well, Robin, some of those sound promising, not the dead chicken. 
uh, unless it was tasty. Robin says, I have a job. It is an evening schedule, which has taken a bit of an adjustment. I'm working at the Northwestern Adult Detention Center, also known as the jail in Winchester. A bit of an adjustment, getting back into nursing, working with LPNs who are a bit threatened by the old RN suddenly in their midst. Uh, they are, of course, much more efficient than I am. It will come, I believe. How much is situational awareness and how much is physical oldness? I don't know, but I can't let anything stand in my way, says Robin. Go get them, Robin. Not much new on the farm, she says. Winners, you know, always hard, frozen hoses and such. Yeah. Yeah. Today is gorgeous, says Robin. We've had some beautiful weather, and uh, it looks like it's going to remain here. It's going to be in the 60s for, I I think, the rest of January. Uh, In the highs, anyway, in the uh, lows, well above freezing, I I will take it. Although I'm kind of worried it's going to make for a very buggy and uh, ticky and flea-y summer if we have a, a really mild uh, winter here. Robin says, I lost a chicken recently to a barred owl. Oh. See, I've been thinking about hawks. I've been thinking about coyotes. I've been thinking about foxes, possums, snakes. I've not actually seen an owl uh, on our property. And I, uh, I'm i really sorry that, that you've lost a chicken. As I said, Robin, we lost one of our hens. So we're down to five hens now, um, and that sucks. So I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. Uh, on the other hand, Robin does have an addition uh, to the farm. Still looking for a name for a Shetland pony uh, that I will work with to get calm for the greats and the grands, the niece and daughters. Robin says he's so small, 10 hands, but he's not many small. So uh, the name ideas are Gatsby, Hershey, or Fabio? Well, I am partial to Fabio, Robin. We do have our rooster, Fabio. Uh, I'm also, you know, I, I love reading. So Gatsby, I think, uh, I think I might go with Gatsby as well. A dappled light brown with a white mane and a tail and a star on his forehead. He's been accepted into the little herd, but he's still trying to figure out where the heck he is. <laughs> uh, Robin, listen, thank you so much for checking in. Best of luck to you with the uh, new job and with the winter farm. And uh, uh, I really do appreciate you uh, checking in with us. I hope that we get to hear from you again soon. Rob in uh, Southern California on our uh, conversation about that awful, awful word, moist, and uh, how it actually helps make cakes delicious. Not the word itself, just the moistness. Robert says, uh, you guys like moist cake? Ugh. Don't like saying it, but uh, yes, I do. You'd love my bread pudding, says Rob. It is awesome. I make it with craisins, not raisins, topped with whiskey sauce, ice cream, or whipped cream. It is great. The trick is to let the bread dry out completely so it'll soak up the custard. You had me at bread pudding, Rob. Bread pudding is maybe the best winter dessert. When it's if, like if it's four degrees outside, give me some warm bread pudding, as you say with that whiskey sauce, oh, and that just soaks it up, and so it's just like this hunk of creamy, bready, carby goodness. Yeah, there's not much better than that. Now, and now I'm hungry, Rob. So thank you for uh, for sharing that. You've got to go ahead and uh, send us your recipe, perhaps. Uh, Loretta also writing in says, uh, your reply to Matthew Scully's uh, piece at National Review Online was masterful. I haven't followed the banner on Twitter, so I may be way behind the times at this point. But uh, as a comment, I find that a common thread running through the diatribes of the left, no matter the subject, 
is that their rhetoric is so rooted in pure emotion that reading or hearing them is akin, for me anyway, to being in the presence of a person in the middle of an emotional breakdown, hysterical and irrational. My first reaction is to back away and propose that we discuss the matter at some later date when the other party has regained their composure and presumably their reason. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and look, th- that that can happen. I mean, sometimes you just, okay, let's take a deep breath, let's back off, and then we'll, you know, come back to this. I've, I've found um, with Matthew Scully in particular, I, I think that he has actually become more strident uh, and more ardent uh, as time goes on. And, and look, don't get me wrong, I, I, I respect uh, people who, you know, who care about animals. I'm an animal lover myself. I'm not going to denigrate somebody just because they, I eat meat and they don't. I, I, I'm not going to call them foolish. I'm not going to call them stupid. I'm not going to call them names. Um, but when you start demanding, right, as Matthew Scully did in his piece for National Review Online, when you start demanding that uh, people accept your philosophy that eating meat uh, is immoral, that, that, that farming uh, and ranching is an immoral act that is akin to, uh, to, to, to human slavery, um, I'm not sure that you could just, you know, okay, calm down, take a deep breath. I mean, that, that's, that's their position. That's, that's what they truly do believe. And I'm at odds with that. Uh, because I, you know, I, again, I see the care and the concern that farmers and ranchers have, uh, for their critters. Heck, you know, our, our, uh, our veterinarian, our local veterinarian who is a, not only is he a small animal vet, but he's, you know, he's the livestock vet around here. Uh, he loves animals. He's a great dad. He's a, a great vet, but he also hunts. And he doesn't see a problem with that. There's, there's, there's no confusion uh, in his mind between uh, the, the moral case for uh, helping animals and the moral case for hunting some animals. Uh, anyway, Loretta says a couple of podcasts ago when Miss E was last with you, the 2017 seed catalogs were mentioned. Yes, we we keep getting the seed catalogs, Loretta. Uh, one of my favorite activities, she says, on a gloomy January afternoon is paging through them and planting the summer's plantings. In any event, uh, Miss E mentioned paste tomatoes particularly, and I would like to recommend a hybrid that I tried last summer and loved. This is from the Territorial Seed Company, the San Marzano Gigante. Huh. Uh, Loretta says the fruits have pointy ends, and people mistook them for peppers last year when seeing them in the garden still green. Of course, they weren't paying close attention because it is pretty easy to distinguish a pepper plant from a tomato plant. In any shape, they do have this rather arresting shape, and they're huge with almost solid flesh. They like to dehydrate them in slices, also slow roast them in the oven in slices in addition to the usual canning. So that's interesting, Loretta, because we have tried and we have really liked San Marzano's. Not the Gigante uh, hybrid, but just the normal San Marzano's. That was actually our uh, go-to paste tomato two years ago. And you're right. Um, great flesh, just, you know, not a lot of seeds. Uh, it's a great candy tomato. So that, but bigger, <laughs> sounds really intriguing. I appreciate you letting me know. We do have the territorial seed catalog, but that's one of the ones that I have not had a chance to, uh, to page through yet. Uh, Loretta also says on a tips for gardeners to thrive during the mid-Atlantic winter note, 
we made a day trip to Longwood Gardens, not Longwood University Gardens. I don't think we have those. Uh, I spent, uh, Loretta says, I don't know how many hours wandering past the vast conservancy uh, or conservatory. I've, I've attached a photo. Absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, that doesn't look like Longwood University to me. Uh, Loretta says, looking forward to the next podcast, hoping that you are both well together with the whole family and all the critters. And here is to a better 2017 I will, well, I won't drink to that because it's like 9.45 in the morning, Loretta, but uh, I will second that emotion. I appreciate you uh, checking in. Also, uh, John writing in just to uh, uh, say hello and to let uh, us know that Miss E has uh, been in his prayer since he heard the news about her health. And John, thank you very much, sir. Uh, He says, by the way, everybody from the Northside Hooters in Oklahoma City says, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, Missy's gonna gonna really really appreciate those Christmas wishes from the uh, Northside Hooters. Uh, I don't know if that's the one on Northwest Expressway, John, but that that Hooters on Northwest Expressway in Oklahoma City, that is the Hooters. That was our our first Christmas. That's uh, the uh, the 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 Cam and Company Christmas Hooters right there on Northwest Expressway. So if that's when you're talking about, uh, please give my best to all those folks there at the uh, Northside Hooters in Oklahoma City. Also, uh, Jim and Carol uh, writing in, and I'm sorry I didn't get to this before uh, Christmas. This was actually a couple of weeks ago, uh, and my email just apparently coughed this up again. But thank you, Jim and Carol. I hope that you too have a very happy and a healthy New Year. And that is going to do it for this edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. Now, next week, uh, Miss E is going to be under the weather. She's going to be uh, down for the count for a few days, so she'll not be joining us. I'll actually be on the road uh, in Las Vegas at SHOT Show, the shooting, hunting, outdoor trade show. But you know what? I bet that while I'm out there, I can find a couple of people who live in rural America who might want to join me for a podcast. So um, the plan is right now that we will have a podcast next week, another 40 Acres and a Fool, not from the farm, not from the kitchen table, not even from the Camden Company Studios, but from Sin City, of all places. And in the meantime, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot, and we will see you here soon with more 40 Acres and a Fool from the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.